0: Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance.
1: Now let's start the show. show. Step out
0: My problem, ladies and gentlemen, the CO double MON synonym for fresh. Ooh,
1: fancy boy, I know, very cool, Sorry, very legal. But <laughs> I, I will say, like, day. pizza is solely dependent on if you're gonna just get cheese pizza, you can get that shit anywhere. But the things that make good pizza are the sauce and the crust. And the, I, and the kind of bread that they use. I'm gonna
2: tell you, Tom, like if like I don't give a shit about the cheese. Like I you could leave the cheese off as far as I'm concerned. You can
1: get pizza. cheese anywhere.
2: Give me We a have good, cheese at
1: home. We yeah, have give, cheese at home.
2: Give me a fucking taste. There was a place in Nassau, I can't remember the name of it, that I got once, and it had like a sesame seed carbe cheese. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Or the
1: original
0: Sabaros. And it
2: had a sweet sauce on it, and it was Fucking best pizza I've ever had.
1: Yeah, there was a place in Sparros. Pennsylvania. <laughs> there was the a only place, other in... place I could think of with sesame seed on their crust.
2: I didn't know they do sesame seeds on the crust.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've seen it before. It is actually pretty good though. But the last um when yeah, I if you lived in...
0: pull up sorry, Tom. <laughs> sorry. Go go. When I lived in hey
2: Tom, <laughs> I just want to interrupt you.
0: <laughs> I think I had a delay there for a second. <laughs> go ahead, Tom.
1: Got him. (laughs) Uh, Verbal encroachment. (laughs) When I lived in Pennsylvania, there was an awesome pizza place um, that was – they made like – The they made pizza, obviously, but the sauce was sweeter. And they did something to the crust that made the crust taste like unreal. I'm pretty sure it was pie crust what they used. And it was delicious. It was so good. But Virginia had good pizza – Um, and North Carolina has had it in spots, but, you know, I think everyone says that New York has good pizza and they base that off of like the number of like Italian people that live in New York, keeping in mind that Italian people live everywhere, but also too, like, oh, the water is different here. Therefore the bread is different. Like, that's a lie. Have you seen what's in the water? Have you looked at a reservoir and said like, oh, this condom and this needle and all of this, like. All these chemicals—that's what's making my pizza taste better. No,
0: it's just all the extra fucking uh, like antidepressants in
1: the water that just make the food taste better. I've also had dog shit pizza in New York too. Oh, oh like, like oh, late late night truck really pizza yeah. can sometimes
0: be more exploitive than like food. I don't know though.
1: That place that was in Port Jeff—that little hole in the wall place—still there. Go is it's going strong. Delicious.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not saying every place, but, like, I've had, like, late-night pizza a lot of places that, like, they don't care. They just know that they're feeding drunk people, and drunk people have less discriminating tastes than your average, you
1: know, pizza epicurean. Yeah, I would agree. But all the same, like, food is, I mean, I don't think it's dependent on a particular region.
0: I gotta, but I gotta say that this one dude, and I'm gonna even give him the plug fucking Mark Anthony uh, pizza down, down in Spring Hill, Florida, right? Small place, right? The menu is just a flyer because it's literally like basic pizza, to- base, basic pizza toppings. The two, the two other things on the menu were fucking subs and uh, calzones, right? And it, and you had like a personal calzone and then a family calzone. We saw them make one of these family calzones, dude. This thing was like as wide as my fucking chest. Fucking, this thing was massive. It barely fit in the pizza box. Fucking, it was insane. And they made the subs were not really subs. They were actually shaped like subs, but it was actually dough that was rolled with like chicken parm or meatball inside of it. And that's what we got with, with the pizza, just in case. We didn't know what the size or the quality of the pizza was, so we wanted to make sure we covered our bases, got a little extra there. Because you could always have pizza the next day. It's an amazing breakfast food.
2: I, and... I have a controversial take. Another one? Another one.
0: God, you're so controversial.
2: Cold pizza is better than hot pizza. I'd agree with that. Just the facts. Fucking libs.
1: Deal with it. I mean, there are a number of foods that are just better cold. Some pizza, it just
0: doesn't translate well with. Like, sometimes if the dough is, like, a little too dry to begin with, like, then then you're just – it's like a choking hazard. If there's not enough sauce, there needs to be a good combination yeah. – Kind of ratio going on on that pizza to make that shit.
2: That's why, I like, I like uh, grandma's pizza the best because it's very little cheese, more sauce
0: forward, and it's usually like a thinner crust. So that's what I like. And it's got yeah. grandma in it. So or Sicilian you know, pizza is better. probably
1: probably the best. Cold. It's probably the best one. <laughs> yeah,
2: you I don't really like Sicilian away. pizza. It's too doughy.
1: You know what? Why don't you just take a fucking walk? It's
2: so too fuck- it's too doughy. It all depends on where you yeah, get it. It's too from. doughy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did I sound like that? Really?
1: Oh my god, you're going to make me dough!
0: <laughs> I want to hear the next controversial take you got in that voice, i I'll, uh, I'll have to fire one up. Ben Shapiro is going to fucking get on the mic and be like, he's stealing my bit!
2: <laughs> it's going to talk really fast and, and have that whiny voice and then I'm nailing Shapiro.
1: And then you're being sued by him.
0: And then we're being sued by him. What a oh God, great publicity awesome. stunt. They're like, by look, the way, yeah, you can take fucking half of everything I got, but half of everything is still nothing. Good luck.
2: Shout out to Bill's Mafia. I just saw a thing on ESPN of one guy being covered in mustard and ketchup for some reason. I was actually going to bring dog. that
0: up. I was going to bring that up, Tom. Yeah. It was like pledging again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so, Tom, speaking of the NFL – um, Big, big loss. And, you know, since you're the leader of the anti-Tuanon movement, you must be shaking your boots right now. Six touchdowns, 469 passing yards.
1: Nice. I would not – I will push back on that statement. I don't think I am the leader of Tuanon's anti-army. I think I am like so many other people asking, is Tuanon legit or or, Tua legit or not? (laughs) And I think – up until this year it was fair to say that he was not good and he was injury prone but i think mike mcdaniel coming in and doing a bunch of like mad scientist shit has really shaken things up for them i also think too that team has a lot of weapons i was watch i was reading a stat on twitter today and it was saying that of all the teams in the nfl the team that has made the most ad- the team that has put guys in motion the most by percentage is the dolphins. And I think that's really fucking with a lot of teams and you have Tyree Hill there, which can take the top off of any defense and is, I mean, he's, he's a monster.
2: Yeah. It's interesting, right? You know, you see the fact that Kansas City's still thriving even without Tyree Hill, but Tyree kill has really kind of risen Miami's, um, you know, profile. So it's it is kind of interesting to see how the loss of Tyreek Kill and the gain of Tyreek Kill kind of have equal value.
0: I have a non-controversial take.
2: Oh, great! Coaching—that's what, what we love here—is
0: proving its worth right now. Good coaching is winning out where everyone was assuming that there would be some sort of deficit because of a player missing or a piece missing that was there, or in in the other on the other flip side of someone who people were very unsure of good coaching is proving to be that x factor
1: it's turning the shit around well the the flip side of that god I'm not going to disagree with you there good coaching is winning out bad coaching is what's losing games obviously like that's not a profound take but if you look at like some of the teams that have really struggled recently Broncos Broncos was going, to be the f- <laughs> was going to be the one I was going to say. Nathaniel Hackett looks like he is fucking brand new to this. Like it's mm. his first day with the driver's license and he's already crashed the car. So and, we- another, and another fail son out there from the Bill Belichick family tree, Josh McDaniels, had a 21-point lead. They blew that. Ooh. How the fuck does that work? We usually we only see that in Super Bowls, but okay.
2: So we 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 obviously didn't do anything last week, um, due to Tom having to go to his uh, barista convention. Um, but uh, as far as it goes, like, what was Nathaniel Hackett thinking week one? Like, I think uh, he
1: was waiting for the Ask Madden button to come up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, I'm watching this game, and there's like a minute and twenty seconds left, I believe, and they have all three timeouts. And I know it's fourth and five, but like, what is the point of paying two hundred and twenty plus million dollars for Russell Wilson if you're not going to go for it on fourth and five to like potentially win the game? You're down by a fucking point, so all you have to do is get in the field goal range. You go for it. Why are you settling for a sixty-four yarder?
0: I mean, I will say that that game is quite deceptive because there was a lot of sloppiness and turnovers that changed that changed that game score significantly. In, listen, in a lot listen of ways. Though, but I agree gonna, with you on what you're yeah, saying there. Yeah. If you're not sure. gonna
2: show faith in Russell fucking Wilson, and again, like even if you don't believe in Russell Wilson as a player, the amount you're paying him, you better fucking believe in him.
1: Because why are you paying him?
2: This oh. is this is this is why like I'm very hopeful about the New York Giants in, in the future. I don't listen, I, I'm gonna be honest here. I'm a bit worried that we're getting a little too high with the Giants. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Giants fan. We're going to see a lot of bad come eventually once these teams get some tape on these guys. But the coaching's really good. Uh, but you, you see Brian Dable trusting his players to go for it in certain situations. Yesterday we saw with Daniel Jones going for it on third down, he let him run a, a naked bootleg, in which he has options in that play, and he made the right one. We saw it with the two-point uh, conversion week one doesn't seem like nathaniel hackett trusts has that trust level and that's concerning
0: and and right now if there's going to be a time to build that trust it's probably right now
2: early yes do it
0: do it now because it only gets it only intensifies it only it only becomes better as the year goes and right now obviously there's a bit of a disconnect between uh the players like the receivers and russ and that's why this this type of Change to his play calling would be a real big, I think, uh, boon for for their productivity for sure. I,
2: I like Nathaniel Hackett a lot. I mean, again, I, I mentioned I, I I lauded the the hire because I you know obviously I said he took Blake Bortles about a half of half of he was like about a quarter away from taking Blake Bortles to the Super Bowl a couple years back um, as offensive coordinator of the Jags. He was also uh,
1: the offensive coordinator for the Bills when Doug Marone was their coach too,
2: which. You know, Doug Maroon was kind of a disaster, and those Bills teams still kind of were relevant. They were decent. Yeah. And recently with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers
0: swore by him. So um, I don't know.
1: Let let me give you
0: let me ask you guys. Seeing two weeks of football here, right? Who do you think has better chances, Giants or the Broncos? Giants. Who do you think? Who Who do you think? Yeah,
2: I'm right? going to say the Giants only because look, I I have no unless Russ is completely fucking done, which is a possibility um, to where he's not the same guy anymore. I think Russ is they they have a better situation as far as their roster is concerned, but that fucking division is just brutal, mm-hmm. and going down early in that division just puts you in a real tough spot. Thankfully for them, the Raiders are also shit. So, you know, it's yeah, really just, it together either it's just the Chargers and the Chiefs. So they, they have a, it's it's just murderous row. So the Giants, I mean, Dallas without Dak for a couple weeks, Washington, Carson Wentz. I don't really need to say They're 50-50. More that. They're 50-50. And then Philadelphia, which is good, really good, but kind of flawed in certain areas that could be
1: exposed. So, so yeah. I want to say too, like, I think Nathaniel Hackett is somebody that we were excited about, but I think this is just a long running trend in the NFL where you have coaches that are willing to win games. Obviously they're willing to take chances with the possibility that they're going to lose where the opportunity to tie a game is there, but they're like, we're playing to win games. And I think Frank Reich has done this in the past where people have questioned his play calling, but it's like, listen, we're trying to win this game. We're not trying to tie it. And I think, Right now, Nathaniel Hackett is a coach who's trying not to lose games, and that means, like, that's why he's going with the field goal. However, it's it's a 64-yard field goal. Like, (laughs) how many of those have been fucking made in the NFL in a stadium that is historically hard to kick field goals in a stadium that's historically real fucking loud? And I think he's going to have to learn, like, there is value in being aggressive in play calling and – Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch that game yesterday because it was, just wasn't on in my area. But all the highlights, like, Russell Wilson just looks lost. It gets the like, Texans. Like, completely – I don't know if it's just completely unprepared. Like, he found religion and lost his game. but he, or he just, lost religion
0: in his case.
1: Yeah. Um, but he just does not look like a guy who has spent the entire offseason getting ready. So it, it seems like his nano bubbles have gone flat. Yeah, <laughs>
2: he, he was going against the Texans and he threw under 50%. He threw 219 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked three times. Oh, I know.
1: Oh, I know. It's just he's on my fantasy
2: team. Oh, God. Oh, that, that was oh, one of the, the worst worse. lineups I've ever seen, man. That was a bad week for you. That was it'll get better, though. Yeah,
0: um, you'll I, bounce back like week nine or something
2: it, <laughs> when it's too late. It's the Joe Judge effect, right? It's like coaching not to lose, talking about field position and like punting for, you know, to put the defense in a good spot. It's not how you win in the NFL anymore. You have to go for, it. you have to you have to be aggressive. And like Hack like Nathaniel Hackett is kind of proving a point that sometimes really good coordinators, just really good coordinators shouldn't be head coaches. Like there's a lot yeah. that goes into being a head coach. It's not just calling plays. It's like being able to work the clock, something he would he didn't do week one. Or being week able two. to make or week two, <laughs> being able to make really sound decisions and like not question. Literally after the game, he was like, "Yeah, I should have fucking went for it." And it's like three timeouts, a minute twenty left on the clock, and all you need is a field goal to win. And like you don't trust Russ to go get you those. Like you settle for a sixty-four. 64- I mean, Brandon McManus got a fucking cannon for a leg. But like I don't 64 yards. Is that I think that like is I think that's like the record right? It's either the record or very close to it. And like, I mean, come on. It's just it's silly. Um, and yeah, like the I mean you're going against the Texans, you beat the Texans by a touchdown yesterday. That was a that was a get right game. That on paper, that's a get right game.
1: That should have been a 30 to nothing game.
2: Right. Like that mm-hmm. should have been a game you just dominate. I know Judy got hurt early, and I get it. But like, come on, man! Like, still that's have Cortland
1: a- Sutton though. Still have Albert still got o. weapons. Yo. You still have Melvin Gordon, who's a really good pass catching running back. Yeah. And the fact that none of those guys got to see any like real substantial. Cortland Sutton is there too. Just not any like. I kept checking like the score of the game. I was like, "Is this? Are they? Is this fucking for real? Is this still nine to three or whatever it was? Nine to six? I'm like, this is a guy that went to two Super Bowls. This is a guy who everyone was saying is like a prolific passer and the Seahawks are holding him back. Like, dude, like you're not new here.
2: Very, very odd, honestly. But I I have a question for you guys kind of like in a similar vein that Gatto asked, there's been two, there's been some really big disappointments this year as far as teams are concerned. Who is a bigger disappointment in your mind? Is it the Colts or the Bengals. Bengals.
0: I would have to say the same. However, like looking at the performance yesterday by the Colts, mm-hmm. like that is just, wow.
1: By the I'm Jags Jaguars,
0: too. By the Jaguars. that That's just like, you're really bad if this is happening. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm actually going to go against the grain here and say the Colts. Yeah. Because not only were they – you had two weeks in a row, right? Not only bad teams – Texans, Jags, divisional games, mm-hmm. and you know the Colts were a pretty decent squad last year with really nothing at quarterback, and now you have Matt Ryan, who should at least be a game manager for them, and you walk away with a loss, a a, a, a fucking shutout loss to the Jags, yeah, and a tie with the Texans. I mean. That That is probably one of the most disappointment, biggest disappointments. And I know they were on the road, and I know Michael Pittman was out and all that. But, like, the fact that you can't generate anything against the – and
1: I mean, Matt Ryan throws three interceptions. Just brutal, yeah, was a brutal day. day. Can I say something else, though? And I'm just looking at the box score, though. Jonathan Taylor, nine carries for 54 yards. That's six yeah. yards average. Yeah. Why does he only have nine carries?
2: My guess is I didn't watch the game, but my guess is that they were probably they went down early. I think Christian Kirk scored like two touchdowns very quickly. I was going against him in fantasy, of course. Um, so I think so, they probably felt the need to start throwing the ball to try and catch up, and it ended up being and I mean like six yards per carry, but is that like if you if you Transfer that over twenty carries. I don't think it's going to remain at six yards per carry. I think they'll probably load, start loading the box at that point. But he was uh, he was sacked five times against the
0: Jags. It's just, yeah, uh, But that offensive line is just fucking Swiss cheese. Which is man. weird
2: because it's like I don't think they lost anybody that crucial from last year, and like they still have Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson and all those guys. So it's like it's I
1: it's thought they very high. I mean, to be fair, um, Matt Ryan was thrown to guys that are probably going to be working at Taco Bell in like a year. Yeah, Yeah, probably. But I mean, I I think it's fair to say that people have started to speculate when Matt Ryan is going to be done. And I think he might be about two years too long in the NFL where there are some guys that can stick around and some guys that can't. And I'm wondering if Matt Ryan is one of those guys who – once he switches teams, he loses all that comfortability. I mean, he's 37 years old now, and the last couple of years have not been great for him. I mean, he's he's put up decent numbers, but they're not necessarily the numbers that are going to be winning their championships. Um, and I think his time as like an NFL MVP has kind of come and gone. But I don't know. He just – him – Russell Wilson, they just kind of look lost.
2: It's only been two weeks, but I feel pretty good about my our prediction because we've talked about Jonathan Taylor being the number one pick in fantasy, right? Obvious number one pick. And we said that running back one, don't repeat.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I'm feeling pretty good that he's probably not going to repeat at this point based upon I, how the Colts offense looks, not on his performance.
1: I will say though, and I was thinking about this for the last couple of weeks. The, there are – I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but the first halves of many of these games have been really bad. So, like really hard to watch, low scoring, and then the the back end of the game kind of really takes off. And I'm wondering though, are we being overreactionary right now? Because a lot of these guys did not play in the preseason. And I'm wondering, are we gonna see these guys really start to figure it out like week three, week four, where they're now in their preseason. Essentially, these guys are new to their teams. They're trying to figure it out. But, I mean, just across the board, like none of these games have been good. Like the the the, the Panthers Browns game was really bad. Um, the Giants Carolina game was tough to watch unless Very, you're a Giants fan. It was um, still
2: pretty boring. No, though. It's it six, was six halftime, so yeah.
1: it was pretty beat. Um, yeah, but I mean, even some of the other games that have been going on, like the fucking Saints and Buccaneers game was three to three until the third, fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And and even the game. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's my thought. Like a lot of these games have just not been good. Even the primetime games have just not been interesting.
0: I, I have a, I mean, I have a theory on that one and that's that teams are now playing a little differently because advanced statistics and analytics are now changing the way that coaching goes and you make all your major adjustments during halftime and what teams are trying to do is in the first half because everyone knows that they're going to make the adjustments they're not trying to show too much of their hand if they don't have to right they're just kind of poking around seeing what's what's open what's available and then they'll go back in and they'll make those changes for like what the defense is aligning to how they're like what the schemes schemes are I, I see, like, they might be basing way more of the second half on the analytics, and they're not willing to take take those, those uh, risks, er, you know, early in the game.
2: I'm also Everyone. noticing difference with injuries, and I don't know if you guys have picked up on this. Um, typically, when you see a player come out with an injury and be automatically ruled out, kind of like Trey Lance was yesterday, like... He obviously got taken out and it was ruled on automatically we're not seeing them being season ending injuries like yesterday Leonard Williams of uh, the Giants was ruled out immediately and like that spells like he tore his ACL something like that they're saying structurally he's okay happened with Wandell Robinson week one and I saw it uh, yesterday with Dalton Schultz the Cowboys he was out in the fourth ACL quarter and they, they you no know, they're saying his they're saying he came out his scans came out okay so I, mean, I think also teams are being a little bit more precautionary with injuries. So that also might be kind of speaking to why these games are maybe not as like exciting. Cause we're seeing guys kind of come out
1: and not come back in. I, uh, I am curious about the analytic component. And I, I of all of the reasons Gato, I think that one makes probably the most sense, but I will say if that is the case, if all these teams are moving towards like getting baseline, data around these teams and using the first you know 30 minutes of a, of a game to determine that mm-hmm. that's not good for watching that's not good television thing. it's not good it's also not good football strategy
0: yeah like, you you're not playing to win you're playing to like play the other the opponent's game so all they have to do is bypass that idea and go with trying to win a game from the start <laughs> And then they don't have to, they don't have to worry about that. You know, it's, it's. Yeah. Cause it's just cause the one thing you never want to do is play somebody else's football game. You want to p- go out there and execute your game plan against whoever it is, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've just, it, it's curious. Like a lot of these games are just running very slowly. Like they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're not terribly compelling. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get up and go do something and you miss like, 15 minutes into it and you're in the fourth quarter and the score has changed by like 22 points. I'm like, yeah. What did I miss?
0: Yeah. It's because then they start having to get risky to, to catch up and play. And that's the thing in an offensive, uh, you know, heavy, heavy league. Now uh, everything is favored towards the o- offense production. When they do decide to just go for it and they, they succeed a lot of times because, you know, you're getting pass past interference calls and all those things like, um, yeah, you, you're, you're, these games can move very quickly and change drastically. I mean, the fourth quarter is sometimes all you need for, for like an entire game. Like a lot of action can happen in that one, sure. one quarter, um, going back to the injuries though, cause I wasn't thinking about that. Um, That might just be because there's now new knowledge within the medical, the sports medicine industry, right? And so these are the new advice standards that they're going with, which they can get better advanced imaging after the game. And it's early. You don't want to risk somebody, right, if you don't have to. So I wonder if that's part of it.
2: I'm all all good with that, by the way. Like, because... Too many times, I think that probably happens where people go back into the game when they probably shouldn't and they end up seriously injuring themselves. So it's just, it is jarring though, because I'm so used to like an automatic rule out. I'm used to like, fuck, that's disaster. And yeah. I'm thinking like yesterday when I saw Leonard Williams be ruled out immediately, I'm like, fuck, man, for this Giants defense that's been playing so well to see the main cog of that defense get hurt. It's like, but then now they're saying that. Maybe maybe he's out for a week or two, but it looks like it's not a season ending. So,
0: and and Thibodeau's coming back too. So so
2: Ojulari and Thibodeau
1: most likely should be back uh, for Monday night next week yeah. against the Cowboys. I mean, Six. I mean, we saw that with uh, with Zach Wilson. Everyone thought that he was going to be out for the year, and it's like now nah, it's just like four weeks.
2: Yeah, yeah, and
0: it, and it looked bad for him too.
2: Yeah, Dak too. Uh, yeah. There, there there was some rumor going out that he might be coming back next week for the cowboy uh, for the giants.
0: Yeah, um, that just might um, be
1: a little yeah. aspirational. Yeah, I well, think
0: so. That that's that's like how every year they would say Tom Brady, you know, he was on like the injury reports because he would have a questionable uh, with a, a shoulder. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like it's it's just to fuck with you and and make your game planning a little bit more unpredictable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's yeah. fucking it. We'll see. I mean, what's um what what is one of the biggest like things that surprised you about these first two weeks? What's what's the thing that comes up that you feel was the most shocking?
2: Um, I would say the amount of teams that were poised for big seasons kind of failing. So we've been talking about the Colts, we've been talking about the Bengals, the Raiders, man. The amount of money that they poured into—I mean, draft capital into Devonte Adams, Chandler Jones, um, going out and paying Josh McDaniels a lot of money to leave New England, and then to just be—you know—that I mean, game yesterday was fucking brutal for them uh, to to really be up the entire game, only for Kyler Murray to just come storming back in the fourth quarter. No thanks to Cliff Kingsbury, by the way. Um, <laughs> To to see them kind of like fall, I, I thought I like I have never been the biggest Derek Carr guy, nice quarterback, but I don't think he's the type of guy that you kind of go all in on, and uh, but like they they've been probably the biggest shock, and then Patrick Graham, who was the Giants' defensive coordinator the last two seasons under Joe Judge, he leaves to go to Vegas, and I think he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. Uh, to see the defense kind of collapse like that, it's uh, it's it's tough. A,
0: a part of me wants to say that like the Raiders what they suffered from is that knowing how competitive it is out there in that division that they needed to buy and they need to buy heavy to stay competitive and um, they're you know they're they're a team that's in a you know a new stadium they're they need to build that fan base out there and and grow grow their brand so they need it to be exciting i'm sure there's a lot of pressure from Vegas to make their games exciting so they they went all out to go get these, you know, pay a heavy, heavy price for things to basically stay afloat in one of the toughest divisions in the league. So I,
2: I do want to say though, one team that surprised me so far is the, the Atlanta Falcons. They're 0-2, but they they stress tested the Saints week one. I mean, without without Jameis coming back in the fourth quarter, they would have won that game. The Rams uh yesterday barely beat them. So they're one of those teams that I kind of expected to be a team that like somebody would beat up on it week to week. And despite the offense, not being good, um, they they're, they're pretty surprising that they've been hanging around
1: these games. So it's uh it's a bit of a surprise. I'm not giving the Falcons any kind of. Goosebumps. I know I'm a Kyle, I'm a Kyle
2: Pitts point. owner too. I get it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, they've played good, but I think it's two things. Um, one is related directly to the game that's going on in the field, and the other one is kind of adjacent to it. It's the number of like fourth quarter upset losses that have happened is really striking. Um, Can, can't can't escape it. They can't between escape. the the Browns Jets game yesterday. Mm-hmm. The um, shout
0: out to the Jets for that that game. Yeah,
1: also good for them. Joe
0: Flacco's numbers. I'm looking at them right now. 26 or 44, 307
1: yards, four touchdowns, four tutties, (laughs) baby. (laughs) But his old team, the Ravens losing in the fourth quarter too. Um, You know, the, the, we talked about the Raiders just melting down and giving that game away. And Mm -hmm. it just, it surprises me how many of these teams are just not able to seal the deal. Um, It's, it's, kind of shocking, really. Um, I mean, you could even put the Texans in there too because they were leading that game. The second thing, though, and again, this is like football adjacent, is the how invested each one of the networks is in gambling now. And how much of the broadcast goes to gambling now. And how much of the pregame show goes to gambling now. It's really, it's off-putting for me Because we all grew up with gambling being like this whole other like siloed out part of the sport where it did not come anywhere close to games or conversations in game. ESPN kind of had like a gamblers or a betting line show, but it was like buried on like ESPN news. But now it's everywhere. Now there's 24-hour channels dedicated. Yeah, like I was on CBS Sports yesterday, and the only show I was able to get, I tried to watch the Broncos game, but the only show that would come in is their gambling show. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? And it's just... I I don't understand like this, like the players are going to get punished for it, but the NFL is just making truckloads of money off of this partnership they have with DraftKings and MGM and it just it's it's just so strange to me. Even if you want to consider fantasy like so Matthew Barry left
2: uh, ESPN he's now with uh NBC mm-hmm. and he's part of the Sunday night football now. Yeah like, like the crazy yeah. the you games have Al that Michaels
1: talking about fantasy. Yeah <laughs> The games the that evolution. are like on the peripheral now are more important than the actual games themselves.
0: Yeah. I I think it's because, you know, they're again, you're catering to the interests of you know, your viewership and most of your viewership used to be you just watched for your team. Now you have fantasy and <coughs> Ooh, pardon me. Um now now the, the new evolution is is the betting, which this is I think this is more culturally than anything. Obviously it's getting pushed. <clears throat> but like gambling has always been around and it's been pervasive. It just it was one thing that was swept under the rug and not made to be out in the open as much on Un- unless you were going to like a place like Vegas or or Atlantic City or something to to do it, right? Like you had a yeah. bookie and you were doing it underground. And that was far more dangerous in a lot of ways than now just jumping on an app and being like, oh, you have insufficient funds. You can't do this. Anymore. Yeah, I'm no.
2: kind of in, I'm kind of in that boat too, Gato. I, I think it's actually a good thing culturally. I'm not sure if it's good for the game um, because, yeah, I think it's better that we have DraftKings that you can like, yeah, okay, I don't have my, my bank accounts empty. Well, then I can't bet anything, you yeah. know, or like whatever. To where you're going to a bookie and he's gonna like lend me bookie. a line, you know? Yeah, he's gonna break your fucking thumbs if you can't pay it back. Yeah. Um, so I think culturally it's better. Um, but yeah, for the NFL purposes, like it just, it already kind of felt like there was a Vegas impact in the way things happen. Like Justin Herbert, apparently, um, <clears throat> with that late touchdown helped like seal the plus four, I think it was a plus four line. So, like, everyone was celebrating that. It is very weird that, like, there was already a subset of people who were very much into the, to sporting just before the betting, and now it seems like it's a larger contingency than it was before.
0: I mean, when you think about it, though, it, it just makes it's, – it's all kind of like a vertical integration uh, with the product line because when you're able to get your fan base to feel emotionally attached to what's going on, they're going to pay way more attention. They're going to buy in to all the other services and everything, because now people are going to go out and they're going to get like the cable package or the subscription because they need to watch what's going on everywhere. It, it just it all ties back into a cash flow situation. And, I you know, I can't like I can't knock the NFL for just being savvy. You know, if baseball could figure out how to do this, we'd be applauding them because you know their their numbers have been dwindling for years. And baseball could
2: leadership. baseball could use something like this, honestly.
0: And and yeah. it probably has gotten a nice boost from uh, gambling becoming more culturally acceptable. So you know, like it just
2: <clears throat> well the the NFL had no had the NFL had no choice. Fantasy and betting has just become too prevalent that if they tried to shut it out more. The, it's just the latter, and they don't get a piece of it. So, like, yep. what, what's the point of it if you're if there's this billion dollar industry sitting out there that's like literally affiliated with your product and you don't embrace it? It's like
1: just i understand taking my, your money,
2: right? They're just they're literally making a profit off of your business, and you get nothing because you're you're trying to be like moral about it. Like the NFL has never been moral about anything. So it's no. like, well, yeah, fucking <laughs> Not <this point>.
0: league. <laughs> come on, I mean, let them make bets.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I, I honestly, I think it's fine. I know the game has changed a little bit because of fantasy and all that. And it's like, it's just, I think there's always going to be a market correction if it goes too far. And I think if the product gets too watered down, you're going to see a revolt against these things and you'll see it regulate itself. Like, I, I don't think, yeah. Exactly. I don't I don't think it's a big deal. It hasn't really affected the viewing experience for me. I'm I'm I have fun on Sundays watching football and that's all that really
0: matters at the end of the day. So. Have have we as a culture began to have we begun to embrace um, our vices more and, and we've come to terms with understanding them a little bit more and how I think they're a little less taboo now than than ever. Right. Like, would you guys agree with that statement? I would agree or... with that.
1: And, and I think you brought up, you bring up a good point there because very often, whenever we saw anything related to gambling, there was always like the, if you have an addiction, please call this number. Now it's just so common. You don't see that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering though, because now there's a population of people that never grew up with like seeing those big warning stickers on like gambling commercials or casino commercials, stuff like that. And Because all of this is done digitally through your credit card. Are people going to be aware that they're, you know, oh, DraftKings is letting me take on additional parlay or, you know, they're letting me roll my bet into this other one where now it's like, oh, it was up a hundred bucks. Now I'm down 250. Like, how did that work? Well,
0: I I think as long as what doesn't happen is um, loan institutions start giving out like cash advanced type things for betting purposes. That's right? that's a It's only so, a
1: matter of time. It it, it really yeah.
0: is only a matter of time, which is yeah. what I'm saying. And that's and that's where Q's point of like, oh, we're gonna eventually we'll end up seeing legislation against this or something yeah. because it will become a systemic issue, you know. But in in other ways, we have really become a culture of personal responsibility, and. You can in you know you can indulge in cannabis now in most states. Um, there is at least medical in in a majority of them at this point, I believe, right? We're,
2: I would say. At, I I would think say we're at 26, most 26,
0: 27 states now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, betting is pretty much legal everywhere if you're over eighteen, or is it twenty one?
2: Twenty. I believe it's twenty one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I didn't. I wasn't sure if it was like some places are 18, some places are 21. I think they're
2: treating, especially like New York State, treating it like smoking. It's like you know, you you're not you're not old enough yet
0: And 18. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think a lot of
1: it. Just to go back to your original point, though, Gato. I think a lot of this has to do with just how the pandemic has has played out because. You saw during the pandemic or at least the high watermark of the pandemic that people were drinking more. They were eating worse. Um, they were not exercising somewhere. But you saw the spike in the amount of like alcohol use is like at like a 40 year high. Now, I think because it was, well, I had nothing else to do. I might as well do this. Gambling has found a way to creep in there. And um, all these other vices have found their way in there as well. Um, so you have people that are drinking more, that are eating worse, that are smoking, and now they're gambling. Cool. We're back to the 19, 1920s again. So, I mean,
0: like, let's be honest though. Like, I think in times of crisis, uh, like, we as people need outlets to cope, right? And the pandemic was quite stress inducing for a lot of people, you know, in in other times, times of war and stuff, we also have seen, like, the change in value of of this, where hedonistic um, objects or, or desires seem to surface. And it's, it's, it's part of like, you know, the balancing act of like human emotion and everything like that. And,
2: yeah, and I think I think people see like you know we're living in a time where it's like oh looming recession and this and that like every like the news cycle is just so fucking horrible. Sometimes we need like an outlet just to be like oh I can look forward to today because I get to watch the Giants and the Panthers. You know, it's like my oh my fantasy team won. You were so. looking forward <laughs> to that <laughs> <laughs> scoreboard. Simple man, Tom. He's a simple Tom. Scoreboard.
1: man.
0: Tom is a simple man. <laughs> no, scoreboard, Tom. We we kind of if you think about it in those terms too we really do kind of live in a time of just, you know, high highs and low lows. And we like to offset them kind of in very um, aggressive ways, right? So, you know, when things very are Very emotional it, ways. It, we, and that's the problem, is that all of this has a very uh, high-stakes emotional anchor to it, right? Because we've become, I think, very wear, well aware with, with the... Uh, Hyper connectivity with with uh, the in the internet age that like things are emotionally manipulative, and we use that as a tool for whatever purposes. If it's business related, emotionally tying you to something, um, or you know, helping you separate yourself from something, right? And it all comes at a price
1: tag. True. So, hey. one last NFL um, topic here. Um, Just a, you know, a Lamar update. Um, As we sent in our group thread yesterday's price is not today's price. Um, The more Lamar the brick went up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The more Lamar Jackson does, the more his um, his price tag is going to just escalate. So, I mean, barring like let's take the franchise tag component out because that's just a set number. Um, at the end of the season, what do you think Lamar Jackson is going to demand in terms of a salary? I think if I'm not mistaken, was Patrick Mahomes like 13 years, 400 or something like that? Something like that. So what do you think Lamar is going to be at in that, if that's the case?
2: Well, I mean, these contracts typically will supersede the following one. So the most recent one was the Rodgers contract. So he might structure it more in the line of like a Mahomes. But I have I'm gonna I'm gonna th- I'm gonna point my shot out here like fucking Babe Ruth. I think Lamar Jackson will be a New York Giant next year. Really? Wow. So I the, Pill me the me. Giant. Pill me. Okay. Yeah. Give me, me... a reason for hope. Looking at the Giants' schedule here, it's a lot of easy games.
0: It's the easiest so, in the, uh, the league this year.
2: I, yeah, them, them and the Eagles. Yeah. Now, it's not a definite, obviously, but this is something, this is a situation which I can see playing out based on how the franchise tag works, right? So Lamar is going to get tagged. There's no doubt about that. And it seems Baltimore is reluctant to give him what he wants. The Giants are in a situation where Daniel Jones has been fine. Kind of keeping the boat moving, but like it's—he's not a hey. gamer. He can't take over games in in situation. He plays well in structure, but when things break down around him, he doesn't have an ability to find an open guy when the play breaks down. Too many I times
0: when you chips, man.
2: How many times do we see like man that guy was streaking down the field, wide open, and Jones just didn't even look at him? Yeah, yeah. the Is, way the frame. Uh-
0: play operator. He's a exactly. game operator.
2: He he is a guy that will keep the thing moving but he's not going to he's not going to win you a Super Bowl in my opinion. That's just my take. The way the franchise tag works is it's it's, a, it's a, you essentially hold the rights to that certain player, right? So in theory, the New York Giants could offer Lamar Jackson a contract, right? Lamar Jackson and his agent could accept that deal. If that happens, It goes to the Ravens. The Ravens have the right to essentially agree to that said contract, right? And then they retain the rights and Lamar Jackson stays a Raven. But they also have the ability to deny rights to Lamar Jackson, which would essentially mean he goes to the Giants. And in return, they get two first round picks. My headphones. Um, So that's how the franchise tag works. So. If, if the Giants structure a contract in a way that's favorable for them and not favorable for the Ravens, and if the Giants are, let's say, picking 20th this year and they're not picking in the top 10 as they have in the past few years, I'd be pretty willing to sacrifice two first-round picks for a guy like Lamar Jackson, especially because if the Giants are picking 20th around that spot, they're not going to get C.J. Stroud. They're not going to get Bryce Young. So they're gonna make an aggressive move. Now it would rely on the Ravens not matching a contract, but they don't seem that you know ready to offer him a max type contract. So there is a window in which the Giants, if they want to make an aggressive move for a top tier quarterback like Lamar, who would fit Brian Dable's offense pretty well, it's there.
0: I, I gotta I gotta ask, because we're talking about we're talking about the franchise tags now and
2: mm-hmm.
0: how they get leveraged. Who ends up having the more like the upper hand with these franchise tags? Is it the teams or the players? ultimately? The team. It's always the for a fact. Well, unless yeah, you're Kirk Cousins. <laughs> who
2: was very smart about that. And, yeah. and
0: gets a shitload of Coles Coles bucks. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's real thrifty with that Coles cash, baby.
2: I I think, yeah, I think the teams, because they are essentially holding you hostage for two years. They're not committing a long-term deal. And when you play quarterback, you're always worried that you're going to get Joe Theismann, you know, one play. And then, you know, you're Alex Smith. And you're not going to be able to, you know, you're not going to be as valuable as you once were. And you're not going to ever get that big contract. Guys always like to secure that big deal. $30 million for one season is awesome. But, like, it's not continuous and it's not guaranteed um well that that year is guaranteed but it's not guaranteed for future years so and the teams can do it twice now when they when they do it the second time they have to pay like an extra premium on top so you like 30 million dollars turns into like 45 but like it's still just not like it's just not the the full what you would want in in a long-term deal especially when you look at these guys walking away at 300 mil so Team already owns your rights for four years plus the fifth year option if you were a first round pick, which Lamar Jackson was, and then two years, they really hold you for seven years
0: in that yeah. scenario. So, yep, yeah, it's uh, that's that's why I was like, you know, who does this end up being more advantageous for in, in general? And in some ways, it's like, you know, we always see like not saying that players do it, but when they get the big multi-year contract it's like that first year they always seem to perform a little bit less than normal um they they have a they have lower output cuz they they can play it safe you know they got a they got a while on that contract
2: and it also hurts the t- it it hurts because like because you're seeing what happens with the Chiefs they sign Mahomes to that big deal and they really can't afford Tyree Kill anymore so it's like yeah yeah. You lose out on having that ability to like add the big time weapon. So in
0: in the Chiefs' case, though, I think that that might have that might pay dividends and do them quite well as long as they remain aggressive in the drafts, picking up uh you know wide receiver t- talent for Mahomes to throw to. I think that was a very good bet for them in, in general, even if it comes at the highest uh, total dollars contract in NFL history.
2: I think can Mahomes I play? Can contact- you- Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Mahomes is the type of guy that it doesn't really matter who he's throwing to. He can make them stars. So
1: For sure. Yeah, and in Andy Reid's offense, everyone's gravy there. But I was going to say, I'm going to play contrarian there on the take that um, the franchise tag is good for teams. I think it's dependent on position itself. And if you're a quarterback, it's advantageous for you because the number of starting premier quarterbacks going down with season-ending Ending injuries is a pretty low percentage year over year. But I will say, if you were any other position, it is strictly an advantage for the team. Because what we've also seen, too, is guys get franchise tagged, then released the following year, and they can't get on another team because they're all used up and they're like their bodies are broken down. And there's a lot of guys in the NFL, much more than any other league, where you have guys that had like a premier year. And then the, the next year they get a contract and they fall off the face of the face of the earth and they're out of the league within two years. Um, and well, I don't know run, if it's just well, yeah, running running back backs, especially. Yeah. yeah, running backs. Yeah. Running backs, linebackers, um, safeties I've seen a lot of too, where a lot of these guys, they have these really like prolific years. They get a big contract or they get moved to another team and, you know, they struggle. And then they get cut, and you never hear from him ever again.
2: Yeah, Saquon Barkley, who's having a very good start to the year for the Giants, I expect if he continues down the road that he's having right now, Giants are going to franchise tag him. The projected number for running backs next year is $13 million. He's making, like I think, eight or nine this year. It's not Mm -hmm. that much more money that they could franchise him. He's not going to like it, right? And he's going to want that big-time contract. But I don't think the Giants are going to – I think they're going to probably franchise tag him, hope he plays, and then – You know, see what happens after that, but probably not ever give him that hundred million dollar contract. So,
0: especially anyone that could be injury prone to begin with, it's a little iffy, like uh, Jadevian Clowney. uh, Clowney. Um, he was he was someone that you know that franchise tag ended up being a big bust for, you know.
2: Yeah, there are some guys that use that one year contract type thing to their advantage, Darrell Rivas, I remember did a really good job negotiating one year deals and getting big payouts and all that
0: so if if you want a master class on contracts getting your contracts it's from Darrell Rivas. that man every year he was the creator of the con- contract controversy for for like i just remember he wouldn't he would not return to the camp and he would he would protest every year and he would get every fucking penny and ultimately the jets would Try to play chicken with them, and they would always lose. and it was magnificent. it's, watching
2: it's a head. it's a risky play because you have to be really confident that or okay with the idea that you could end up getting a season ending injury and then you're just not as valuable next year. but he he was very lucky that he didn't really ever you know face those type of injuries. So mm-hmm. he was able to keep negotiating a one year twenty million dollar contract, you know, and then just twenty three the next year, you know, he just kept kept himself pretty paid, so
0: yep. Yeah, he, kn- he knew how to sell himself I wish I could sell myself you can no, no one's websites. It.
2: only fans yeah
0: just the feet just the feet, feet No, just shin picks shin picks shin picks. Yeah. favorites. that's yeah. my favorite kind just just <laughs> behind the elbow you know right Tom there. I thought you
2: were I think
1: you were a foot arch type of guy yeah, do you oh, like no. arches or
0: flats? What, what's what's your thing, Tom?
1: Uh, I would have to say flats, just because they're an anomaly. Mm. They're That's anatomically flashy, strength. Ooh.
0: <laughs> 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 Q seems like a big disfigured toe guy. No,
2: uh, I, I do have a look. my
0: <laughs> the look of disgust you just had.
2: <laughs> my big toe is ridiculously like comically large though, I will say.
1: So you too are you, uh, are you the kind the of guy that, <laughs> Are you the kind of guy that really enjoys looking at a foot where the pinky toe has no nail on it?
2: I don't like I don't <laughs> I actually I have a very small nail on my pink toe. So, um I don't I don't, I, don't I, I think feet are disgusting. I'm just gonna put that out
0: there. Yeah I might be in the same boat with you there. Dude yesterday you know we're at the bar and uh, the one girl was saying her ex-boyfriend was like really big into feet and it was such a weird random conversation to get into and i was like so what was it that he really liked like i was like did he like constantly try to stick his stick stick your toes in his mouth like what's what what was it you know and, and she was just like he just liked to really rub them and give me foot massages all the time. I'm like, oh, that that actually sounds delightful. I gotta go find me a girl that likes feet. You know?
1: Yeah, that's more of like a professional masseuse, just like yeah. bringing his work home with him. Yeah, these it. little piggies went to town, man, and I need someone to go to town on them. <laughs> I
0: I don't like that was the conversation. That wasn't her. It wasn't representative of her. She she was just like whatever with it. It's more of like you know, the, the dude that was into the feet might have more to say about this, because I'm not kink-shaming here. We just, like, you know, we, we're insensitive assholes, so yeah. like, we make fun of shit. Um, if you, you know, you're into feet out there, like, you know, carry on. Um, yeah, More just, power can, to you. Yeah, Cut this part <laughs> out. Cut, the,
2: cut this part out, too.
0: Yeah, you that's, cut this part that's out? all gonna be deleted.
2: Can you cut this part?
0: I, I cut, guess you want this, this part cut, cut out. Cut this part, too. Why, this one right? Why? Are you afraid of
2: this one? This one right now? No, no,
0: this are, one. Are you afraid of like?
2: <laughs> oh no, I don't know. I, I, I don't. This shit it. right here,
0: dude. This it would right be here? like really good publicity if like the foot
1: fetish community like wanted to cancel us.
2: If you have a foot fetish,
1: fine, God. I'm so, is care. Rex Ryan going to be the spokesperson for that community of? Um... <laughs> Did you ever see that video? He's it's such a fucking, fucking
0: hilarious. How did man. that leak onto the internet? And I who don't know. Was disgusting enough to want to leak that?
2: <laughs> he's just, it's just so I mean, like, I I'm kind of like actually like happy for them that they have that little like relationship with each other. Like it's kind of cool. Like long term married couple still kind of into each other like that. That's cool. But it's just so funny to him like to pretend like he's like a cop or something, and he's like, <laughs> excuse me, ma'am, you're toes are hanging out of the car here. And it's just so fucking... Oh. <laughs> but, you know, good for them.
1: Rex and Ryan is a guy that has a lot of layers to him, and they're all fucking weird.
2: Props to him, though. He leans into it. He does not give a fuck. He's made, like, jokes about it and shit. Like, he just doesn't care. So, props to him.
0: Yeah. I. You know, it, it, when when he was a coach, sometimes I was like... I feel like you're you're kind of doing a disservice to your team by being so outspoken about certain things or, you know, making such unnecessary, like, grandiose statements all the time. But, um, you know, now that he's just like an announcer, it's kind of fun when, when he's talking and doing shit, saying weird shit. I so, uh, the Queen died. That happened. Next
2: <laughs> What a what a transition. Feet and then the queen died.
0: Speaking of people that have feet, the Queen died. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um has yeah. been
0: paying any attention to uh no. her majesty's No, no I don't care. I don't general? care. I don't care. So like Oh, I guess we're gonna talk about it then. <laughs> oh, you're gonna talk about it, right? Like I'm team The iron. fact that Sorry. the fact that we had like zero opinions on this like as I feel like like the entire like We
2: we 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 didn't we didn't do anything last week and I, she died last week so that was why.
0: Yeah, but like today was actually the burial. Like today was the final day of the the procession or whatever. And uh, I'm kind of glad because I'm absolutely sick of seeing these like articles like like, oh, this silent nod in like what like Meghan Markle wore or something and how it had some has some sort that of message f- behind it. I'm like, who the fuck cares? But, like Dude, that
2: the British really... tabloids are the worst people oh, on earth. They're pretty like, shit. Ma- the amount of bullshit that she's had to go through that fucking poor woman who did nothing to them, yeah. just treating them like garbage.
0: Okay. And I will explain I'll explain why this is such a high point of contention. For, for the Brits, though. So, the problem when they don't marry royals is that you become very well aware of the fact that if royals royal people aren't marrying royal people, that the whole system or idea of royalness is even more ridiculous and absurd than we already know it is. And you're basically now breaking completely with that whole system which has only survived because it's it's been kind of like instituted this way right like the minute that common people can can become royal we've now we've now created this in exclusive or exclusive uh in that didn't exist prior and therefore they lose all of their power because the concept itself is already illegitimate and it's the only way to maintain the legitimacy of that concept does that does it that makes, make sense? Oh, sense? no, it makes sense. It's yeah. just
1: I I'm, I'm going to be the like the abrasive American. Like I'm pretty sure there were two wars that were fought to one of them to remove the British from the continental United States and the other one to ensure that they don't come back. And I'm proud oh, yeah. to be <laughs> an
2: American. And Why no um for
1: I never felt more
0: American than seeing our like half-assed responses last week. <laughs> but that's it. the thing though, so is like
1: what? that's the thing. Like this is another country. And would you feel sad for a member of the royal family of Saudi Arabia or Jordan or any of those countries? No. Would you the- feel bad if the uh, a royal of uh, like a monarch died in a country that you had never heard of? No.
2: I see people finger wagging that like people in Ireland and people in India were like happy about this. Sorry, man. The, the, the country of England has committed mass atrocities over the last, I don't know, 200 years that like, you can't blame people for being like happy about this. Like, sorry. Like, and like, People's freedom were, were taken away because of people in the royalty. So, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, I, I, I like listen. Okay, I'm sorry for the family. That sucks. You lose a loved one. I've lost. We've all lost loved ones. Ninety
1: six, though, but, like it wasn't a shock. It's. It, I mean, it's
0: still. You know, it's still sad. Yeah. Not Whatever. like
2: she was fucking thirty five. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. You. You know.
1: It's. You, it's kind of expected, right? You know. Yeah. Well, it, the one thing it, too, it, like. I, I will also say this is like we're, we're blowing this up to be more of a thing. And maybe it's just because we're not, you know, English by birth and we don't live in country, but it's a constitutional monarch, which means the monarchy itself has no legitimate authority over like the management of the the country right. or the Commonwealth at large. And like they... The monarchy itself, the Windsor monarchy, cannot do anything outside of the House of Lords or House of Commons. They don't have any. They don't have any like power over them. They're just influential in the sense of like they, it's more of ceremonial. The the one
0: thing that I've heard that was like pro why they should pay £80, uh, 80 billion pounds of uh, royal entitlements annually is that they get the savings the the like the UK the the British government gets the savings back because like the, like Saudi Royal family will uh, respect the British Royal family more than if they were to just talk to a prime minister or something or someone who was elected. And so they earn better deals, which saves them better money on oil or something, which doesn't mean shit. Once we move to renewable energy sources anyhow. So it's like, yeah, you're making a point that just is like, temporary anyhow like it, you can just get rid of it and save that money.
2: It's very concerning too to see the amount of Americans obsessed with the British royalty too because it's like it doesn't it. bode it doesn't bode well for the way that people kind of like I don't know like like crave rulers ce- over themselves. I don't get it.
0: It's celebrity, there's drama. Um I think like there's always been a fascination like It's palace intrigue. That's what it is. Yeah, dude, I mean ha- like let's like What's one of what's the biggest show on TV right now? You know, House of the Dragon. And that's all about royal families and the drama of their marriages and their political aspirations through, you know, family ties and whatever else that they do.
1: Here's the thing, though, is that is
0: is
1: if people really wanted to learn about like a monarchy and kind of be turned off to the entire idea, they should really learn about the Romanov dynasty. Because none of them were terribly good at it. Mm-hmm. And the entire like czarist regime in the Russian Empire, all the way up until Tsar Nicholas II, um, was just poorly, poorly managed. And like, if you had a love affair with like a monarchy or a king or an emperor, learn about them and you'd be like, you know what? Democracy's not that bad. Maybe having some an opinion on things is a good thing and you know not just being starved by our government because they say we're not working hard enough. You know that might be uh might want to explore this whole like republic thing.
2: Are you talking about America, Tom?
1: <laughs> it's it's uh it's pretty easy to blur the lines for this. Point. Is,
0: who who's who's the American royal family if we had to to choose one? Is it the Kardashians? Kennedys. The Kennedys. Yeah. The, the Kennedys were the old old time but like they don't exist anymore. We've yeah. Card-
2: Card- yeah, if you're talking about modern, it's Trump and Kardashians, pretty much.
0: Yeah. That's, you know... I, I and, and the other thing, too, man, like, I, I can understand why people are a little upset just for the fact that now your ceremonial figure, figurehead is, you know, uh, Prince Oscar Mayer fucking wiener fingers, so... <laughs> Um, which will be the title of this fucking episode?
2: <laughs> which, which, by the way, is not a good sign for his uh, long reign.
1: As no, because that, no, that's that, circulation that means,
2: issues. Yeah, that's like congenitive heart failure. So, like... yeah,
1: if you have fingers that look like a bunch of blown up condoms, then uh, <laughs> I, I, you you got troubles. I,
0: I feel like you know whoever it would have been who's coming in after after the queen was going to have a terrible time of it and is going to have history books look very unkind on just because they're they're going up against like the goat of royalties i guess and i can already tell he's gonna he's gonna be very unpopular because as he's signing away like he was signing his name like he took his little you know wiener fingers and he picked up the quill and he like made he brushed the person to like move the the quill and ink away I was just like, oh god, this guy really fucking sucks.
2: I mean, think about like they they're not normal people.
0: No, right? Like they're like extraterrestrials and we should treat them as such.
2: I I once (laughs) like I remember I listened to like a Seth Rogan interview a long time ago. He worked with Barbara Streisand on a movie. I don't remember which movie. Um, and he's like, he's like, yeah, she was sweet, but like she's not like the same type of person. She's been rich like for 60 years. So like you don't. You can't talk to her about like, you know, normal stuff that people talk about. Like that's just like, it's not. It's not. It doesn't compute. The same thing for these people. It's like they've been born into wealth.
1: How like, much is I a like, banana? Twenty uh, yeah. dollars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what could a banana cost, Michael? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's fucking Arrested Development in real life.
0: So it's yeah, like they, they've never had vegetables. They've only had crudité. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs>
2: We we didn't we didn't get to talk about Doctor Oz's incest comments, by the way.
0: Oh, really? I didn't even hear about these. I've been oh kind of in the Florida bubble, so so Alabama <laughs> life, you don't hear all this stuff.
2: There was a Fetterman took uh, took advantage of it too. By the way, he posted something today about it. Um, yeah, apparently. So Doctor Oz, there were some statements that he had made um, that apparently incest, quote unquote is not a big problem mm-hmm. as long as it's more than a way than a first cousin. So like essentially, as long as you're not first cousins, it's okay. And it's like, mm, theoretically, like, yes, okay. he's probably right. That it, the, the odds of like deformity are probably low, but it doesn't mean it's a
0: good idea. So this, this it's falls close. into this. Yeah. It's really rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like This, this falls into that. Like, Weird area of there's a few things here. Like one, this is like you're you're a politician. Why are you or you're trying to be a politician? Why are you talking about this in general? You should have there, the, the dial To, to and be
2: fair, to be fair, it's, 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 it's older comments. It's like, like oh, okay. somebody dug up like oh. older
0: comments about what. He okay, said. so he's not then, saying
2: that on a campaign trail.
0: Oh, good. Okay, so he at least has the foresight. Okay, look, it's it's I. This is the other thing. I think we were talking about something similar the other day about, um, make like having academic conversation, which is kind of more of a stand in for the idea that I have something incredibly unpopular to say, and I need to do so in a, in a manner that makes it, um, acceptable. Right. So like, I can say this, like very in- very off topic, very bad take on something just purely in the pursuit of knowledge and thought. And it's a fucking like low rent way of getting yourself off the hook for saying something stupid, you know, (laughs) in a lot of ways, like saying something is in an academic sense doesn't necessarily translate into anything that is substantial and it shouldn't be.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, it's just funny though. The uh, Fetterman had a great post. It's a picture of him kind of making like a shocked face, and it's like when you find out about Doctor Oz's incest statements. It's very, oh, very, very funny. Yeah, it was a two- 2014 interview that he had made. But like again, Bills mafia member doing a shot out of a
0: bowling ball. Dude, God bless him. Look, this guy was just this guy wow. was just like he was grilling. What the on fuck? A score. <laughs> this is amazing. What the
1: fuck is this?
2: I have to go to a um, Bills game now. I really do. So, I really so, need to
0: that guy was frying an egg on
1: a fucking handsaw
2: saw to the earth yeah.
0: right there
1: That's... Yeah, this is this is a real like workers town real <laughs> blue blood or real like blue collar folks
0: <laughs> Oh, it's it's just because they they have natural constant ambient noise with fucking uh the the falls there, Niagara Falls. And so it's fucking rattled their brains and violence is now the only thing that gives them solemn and peace. And I'm all there for it. I'm 100% there for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there has to be like just the the constant drone of the waves and the water going over the falls has like had kind of like a fuck with effect. Mm -hmm. And now everyone's just been fucked with. And now the only (laughs) thing to do is like to drink heavily and hurt yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's like they wake up and they feel a sense of calm when they smell the napalm in the air you know
1: yeah oh that's a burning car lovely (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's gonna be an early night for me so they just like turn the vacuum cleaner on and just leave it running (laughs) the whole night (laughs) get out of my head (laughs)
0: Mom, sing me to sleep. She grabs the symbols and she's just crashing them together.
1: Oh, you want to be tucked in? Just pulls the pillow and just like fucking chokes the kid out. Mothers <laughs> them.
0: This is the fastest way to sleep.
2: God, did you guys? Did you guys hear um, what Herschel Walker said the other day?
0: Um, I'm sure. Did he's not stupid. that smart?
2: Yeah. He's gonna. I mean, probably the smartest move of his campaign so far that he's like really downplaying expectations for his uh, debate with Raphael Warnock, and he (laughs) basically said, "Like, I'm not that smart. I'm a country boy." And he said he's gonna. So he, as in Raphael Warnock, is gonna show up there and embarrass me at the debate. Really setting the expectations low. It's probably the smartest move he made.
0: Yeah, Um, that's (laughs) quite well. I think it was like with the trees comment about like. Climate change. That, like, all
2: the all the clean air is going to go to China, and all the dirty China yeah. air is going to come back
0: here. No, that was that one. He got he got raked over the coals for it. But the other one, where he was like, "I see trees. I can look out and I see trees or something. Like they're hmm. all over the place. Hmm. Like what what's going on with these trees? Like we climate change ain't doing this or whatever the fuck he said. <laughs> um, but like I I had read an article that had said that like. That might have been one of his best moves yet, because it just being that he got out there in the front of it and said, like, look at this. Like, this is my reason and showing that he's just like that simple logic behind why he does things makes people like him because he's so transparent. and obvious. It's like Trump says all the things that, you know, people people expected or want to hear someone say, but it's never, you know, they tell him like it is. It's that it's a different brand of tell it like it is. Yeah, but I
1: don't want stupid people to be in government though.
0: Like, that's your opinion. Some people love stupid people in government.
1: I mean, I guess, but at the same time, like I I I think probably Herschel Walker is probably one of the worst like politicians that is running for any kind of elected office ever just because he's never been in politics. He's also somebody who's had multiple head injuries and who has been diagnosed with, like, multiple personalities. And this guy can't answer the questions. And basically, if you watch any campaign ad that he's in, he's kind of just there. Yeah. And somebody is talking for him. And it's just. But see, Tom, this is the thing, though. Fucking Georgia. For people who would
0: vote for him, it's. Are you a Christian first? Yes, you got my vote. Are you conservative? That's the next thing they would wonder. Yes. Are you smart? Maybe that's the third thing they're interested in. It's priorities. And here's the thing, though, him, is that I don't think I don't
1: think uh, what's his face is a Christian solely because like he's had affairs with multiple women and has multiple kids. That's pretty. He doesn't, talk to any,
0: he doesn't talk to any of them. That's very Christian, actually. Yeah, it's pretty on-brand, actually. Like, I mean, you've heard of the quiverful people, right? Like, if 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 you – like, they could probably have hundreds of kids out there, some of them, you know, so they can't be talking or having any relationship with half of them and just if for you that want, reason.
2: If you want something really concerning, as of right now, 538, it, they do an aggregate of all the polls out there, and That's Warnock sure. is Warnock is plus 2.7. Yeah, which is within the standard three points deviation, so it's a literal it's,
0: deadlock right now. It's a tight one. He's he's slightly horrifying.
2: And, he is, and, but it's still but
1: slightly. Horrifying.
2: Yeah. China.
0: I mean, China. add into that the fact that the Georgia legislator just, just legislature is making it harder for people to vote. Of course, and uh, that three point margin turns into a two point lead for fucking Walker. So. Game on. Jesus. Oh, and the game's on.
2: And somebody's oh. hurt already. Jesus.
0: Well, they haven't even whole... started the game. There's still 15 minutes on the clock, and he's got an ankle injury.
2: Yeah, it doesn't even look like... So they didn't even take it. It must have been a non-contact or something. That's crazy. I didn't even see what happened.
0: Uh, we'll probably see that in a second, because... If there's one guarantee with, with football is you always see an injury replay.
2: Yeah, because no no time came off, which means they didn't take the ball out. I'm guessing it was like out of like, the, end in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck?
0: What the Maybe hell tripped happening? over his own foot. Or again, Achilles injuries is because they're like making cleats that are all fucked up. I'm I'm that is my conspiracy theory for this year. And I'm sticking with it.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering, though, if a lot of these guys are either having like too long or too short of spikes and like probably too long because their legs, are their feet are starting to stick Mm -hmm. and they're trying to move and their foot is staying planted and it's just jacking all their stuff up.
0: I mean, that's what destroyed like my knee playing football, man, was that. You would plant your foot and then you needed a little bit of lateral motion that you couldn't get because those cleats just dug into the ground. Like, if you wanted to bury a body, you would put, a, like, my old football cleats on that body and you could throw them in the river and they would never float up. Like, those things yes. were so fucking heavy. You, the, the old Nikes that every, every lineman fucking wore back in the day, they were like two pounds each. Fucking running around with those things on was a fucking task.
2: Yeah, no, I, I remember. Like they get stuck in the grass sometimes, and it's like, oof, you try and, and make a move, and and like your your legs not going anywhere. Your body may move, but not your leg, not your and,
0: foot. And basically, everybody had the same fucking cleats at that time because there was yeah. only like three there's three styles and yeah. And if you just knew that all you had to do was hit someone like laterally, like there was nothing they could fucking do because their feet were dead stuck in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the good old days.
2: <laughs> so Tom, you had thrown something in the uh, topic. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Oh yeah. So um, there was an article that came out the other day that, talked specifically about the ways in which employers are finding a way to keep people at the same job for longer, but they're using it. They're basically saying that employees have to pay their way out of their job in order to leave. Um, ultimately essentially like a form of indentured servitude. So, um, This is from a website called truth out, and I'm going to read this little section here. Um, So employers are threatening workers that they're going to sue them or request like to be repaid for the money that they've paid for training. And it lives within like nursing or um, trucking, any job that has any kind of training component to it. So they're referring to these as training repayment agreement provisions, and they're going within contracts. So, Basically, if you want to leave a job, you have to pay your boss or the company itself money for the training that you have done. And in some of these trainings, they're thousands of dollars. And there's a lot of criticism about these companies effectively forcing people to have to stay in a job, even if they want to leave and even if the job sucks. And it's pretty wild that the job, it, the the imp- pretty wild that there is this idea that the way that we're going to keep people in jobs is make their lives fucking miserable question now when you say
0: training does that mean like oh this is a company required like hr training or is this like oh no you need this certification training to operate a vehicle i'd imagine a certification okay Because I I was going to say not like it would be ridiculous if they required like you to pay back for, you know, some HR video or something that almost every company does per standard. It it could,
2: but it could. But I think that opens the door that it could lead to that. Right. Like it It most definitely could. Yeah. And I think I think what we've shown is that if, you know, these corporations, these companies, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And it really sets a dangerous precedent because like. I get it. It's like thousands of dollars to onboard a person. But at the end of the day, that only provides you an incentive that you could literally treat this person like shit if you wanted to. And they have literally no recourse. The only recourse anybody ever has right now anyway is to quit the job, which is not fun because then you lose your insurance. You lose your pay and you have to go find something else. But like on top of that, like now you got
0: like power I, over them. I, I wonder though if this is more of a like it, w- it feels like once a week we get one of these new like you know, workplace like norms or like strategies that are coming out that are like, you know, this is ridiculous or this is like an outrageous thing. And half the time, I wonder if they're like either to try to scare you into doing more so that things like this don't get implemented or they're, they're really there to like, I I don't know. Like it, it just seems like to me, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, It feels like a fear tactic, like, because I, if I'm in that situation, right, all I'm going to do is stop performing at my job until they ultimately have to fire me because I've become... Are you going to quiet quit? It's worse than quiet quit because I'm going to loudly just not do my job and fuck off, and now it's going to cost them money because I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to waste their time and waste their money. And maybe they could still try to sue you for that, but... Like, even if they do, like, you'll be like, look, this this was the deal. This is outrageous. And I wonder if courts would be even favorable to employers in this situation.
2: Remember who the Supreme Court is, because if something goes to the Supreme Court about this, then you know how they're going to rule. Do you
0: think that case is going to the Supreme Court, though? If
2: it, I mean, it's, if it gets appealed enough. Sure. I,
1: I would also it. say, too, that. This is probably not something that you're going to get in like a white collar job. This is probably something that you're going to get where it's folks that are blue collar truckers, nurses, people that are in construction workers, people that are in technical positions, but they're not necessarily paying a ton of money. So you're able to do stuff like this to people who are economically disadvantaged and they don't have the same amount of, they don't have the kind of like job hopping opportunities that other people will. So, or the legal team to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, Amazon can make up some bullshit certification and say like, Oh, well, you are certified and like supply chain through our app. Um, That's actually very expensive.
2: They've already shown a propensity to treat workers like shit. And this is just another way for that. Cause I'm like, I I imagine like places with big, a lot of over, like, you know, a lot of overturn, like a lot of people leaving very quickly. They're going to try and and recoup funds from people as as soon as, so it's it's just, or nurses too.
1: A lot of nurses that are leaving their professions because of last two and a half years. And there's a nurse, nurse shortage in this country. And, It wouldn't shock me that some of these like corporate healthcare organizations are just like you know how we're gonna keep like nurse retention right we're gonna make them stuck here but like
0: is there that much need of leverage on this like is that well i think the alternative job is it because the job market there's two two open jobs to everyone applying right now is that the reason
1: I think that, well, there's probably one, that's probably a reason, but the counterbalance to paying people more and giving them better benefits is not paying them. And I think to, instead of having to pay people more and give them better benefits, you're going to pay them the same amount of money, but you're going to lock them into that job. So they can't leave. It's like that scene from the Bronx tale. Mm -hmm. now y'all can't leave (laughs) yeah the bikers (laughs) coming to
0: the bar they lock the door yeah so i think
1: you're gonna see you've you've already seen a couple of different ways that companies are approaching like the worker shortage or keeping people happy where they're like we're going to increase everyone's salary we're going to increase benefits you have the opportunity to work at home if you want you have all these other perks and then you have all these other companies that live within that threshold of like we don't have to provide those perks. We just can't have anybody leave. So they create these like guardrails to keep people in these positions and really kind of trap them there. And it's unfortunate because that's not how work should be. Um, kind of goes back to that whole notion that there should be a power imbalance between the employer and the pl- employee solely because, you know, it's what's I mean, good for business.
0: I, just a few years back, like ultimately, like, companies were trying to make places as enjoyable to work at as humanly possible. That was the trend for a very long, like make this a place that you want to be at and you'll attract I don't top. I want to be at work though. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that they're treating, I think they they've made it like, look, like work, work now, I think to everybody has, is just kind of like this, like you don't really want to be there. You don't really want to do it kind of thing. And like, A lot of people can feel like work is fulfilling, even when it's doing the menial work, as long as, like, a company makes it that way. Like, I feel like it's a very wrong message to try to send to people that, like, even a menial job has to just be, like, suck and have no upside, you know, besides a paycheck.
2: It feels like they're trying to integrate your work life with your personal life more. And and it's an attempt, I, I guess, to i don't even really know like i mean you like you gotta you work for you work you used to work uh i'm not gonna mention um oh no i was gonna say disney um i worked for no all right (laughs) i I don't mind
0: hey we're a past employer and i don't mind talking about their uh their previous practices i mean you can
2: cut that out if you want you can cut that out if you want um there's like those Disney camps for workers that they were talking. Like there was like, a, like I remember, I think there was like a plan that they were talking about, like to where they would house workers on like Disney properties. Yeah. And then like, you know, it's you part see of the Google, internship
0: program.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and, you see and Google they do that actually. I know everyone was
0: in that program. They yeah. loved it. They loved it. Google does the same. They had the campus. You basically it's, never
1: left.
2: Yeah. It's just concerning though, because again, let me ask you just- a question.
1: How is that not a, um, how is it not like a factory town? Or a mining that town.
2: that's that's exactly my concern. Or a company is town, that yeah, yeah, and then like, who's to say that you're not under constant surveillance and that your personal life could be held against you in your job, which is like everything I, you say shouldn't happen.
0: I would say as much as like from a philosophical standpoint, that's a bad thing. Is like that bleed of your personal life should not affect your right. work life. But the reality is, I I would say that. It's always been the case that your personal life can have significant, um,
1: oh, you know, of course,
0: effects on what goes on with your employment, right? Like, of course, but so I, it's but always I been I,
2: there. It has, but I think it's just like more prevalent if you're living on a campus built by your employer. I,
0: Yeah, but I think, like, in our modern day, though, there's such a bigger risk because there's a legitimacy aspect to this. That, like, if I'm work, if I'm, let's say, I'm still employed by Disney, right? And I just so happen to tell a story about how they did a very shitty thing at a charity. And that shitty thing was very self promoting. And. I then decided to go and like rant about it because it had upset me pretty severely on social media. I've I I, I'm a bigger risk than if it was just, you know, before these times, before before everything was kind of online and and whatnot, because now there is that bleed of your personal life into your work life that exists because of social media. And I know that seems like a bit of a stretch, but the fact that the information can move faster, I think companies are more, more worried that if you're not completely pilled and you're like a happy little worker drone in some ways that um, you could be a big risk. And there's a
1: rise of things. Yeah. There's a thing like a rise in uh, like apps called Fishbowl and other ones like that, where, where workers can post anonymously about what they like and what they don't like about their job. They can post salaries. And ultimately like the more information that workers know, the harder it is for those companies to pit them against one another. Like if, if we all worked at the same company and you all told me what you're making and I'm like one step below you all, and I'm going to be promoted to your same level, you would tell me your salary. And I would know like, this is what everybody at that level is making. I should be making this. And companies don't like to do that. And I, I it's not just companies. It's colleges, universities, my realm as well, where it's like, no, we actually don't have any room in the budget to like go more in salary. And then you could say like, all right, well, I'm not going to take this job then. And like, oh, well, we found some more like it's in a fucking pay band. Of course you have that money. Yeah. Um, so I think Disney is a bit of a... Disney's a little trickier because the people who are in the Disney like internship program are so fully pilled on Disney. Like they could sleep outside in a tent filled with piss and they would still love every minute of it. Like I know Disney yeah. adults and I'm like, I don't get it.
0: There there was definitely like when we started integrating, especially with like uh, like Disney cast members, because that's what they call um, mm-hmm. employees um, that were part of the Disney business unit right in in comparison we were we were you know we were purchased basically um or acquired as a company and then integrated into disney um you could see there was like a a serious difference in like our values you know most of us were um specifically like project focused or you know your technical people yeah and we were more interested in like you know money or like Doing the cool technical stuff. Yeah. And when you would meet some some people that were cast members that had been there for a while, especially, you know, they just loved the brand. And that's what brought them to work every day was that. And that's that's fine. Hey, you love the place you work because you love the brand. Like, good for you, you know? Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that believe in the, the good that their company's doing. And I think that Disney probably does a lot of good for a lot of people you know they're they're business like all others so they do have their shitty moments and we've discussed them here but like you know if if you're going into an environment like that right which is probably one of the biggest problems here and might be the heart of all this is that companies are consolidating other other businesses that are in their in their spheres. And when you do this now, you have a difference of culture, and that's a that's an in, that's a, a issue that you have to deal with, right? Um, I think I went a little tangential on that one,
1: but no,
2: I I, I get where
1: you're coming from. You yeah, know. no, we were following you on that one, and I and I would agree. I think because there has just been a movement to acquire and merge and like purge, like you're getting all of these conflicting like corporate personalities and personas and now they have to kind of live together where you have, you know, as an example, like Apple buys like a, a tech company or something like that, where the, they just don't match the same like ideology or persona or like goals. Apple will make them in line with those goals and personas and ideology. Um, And you could see that can just kind of how things operate where, you know, redundancies are removed based on like, well, this person doesn't match our corporate fit.
0: And and you see a lot like and I've been through enough like acquisitions at companies at this point to see that it seems like there's kind of a life cycle to it all. And that's a. There's the acquisition itself, and then following that is like an exploratory time where there's a bit of uncertainty, but you start to see the pieces kind of get, like, weaved together. And It's then they the storming
1: up. and norming, well, like, organizational
0: yeah. thing. And, and yeah, and then from there, like, you have a new kind of organizational lattice that is kind of not perfect. And that's when the company comes in and says, time to make the cost savings, and they make it flatter. And yep. they structure it, and that's when you see the job cuts. And it's a natural tendency to reorganize. I think any business for that wor- for that reason, you get rid of the
1: redundancies if you don't have to have them. You know, um, and you get rid of the things that don't make sense. It's true. And instead be of honest, instead of like uncoiling it and like figuring out what works and what doesn't, they just like fuck it. Let's just chop it off. And and
0: like let's be honest. Um, you know, as much as we are very much pro worker here and uh not the biggest on uh corporations uh, he you know on this podcast at the same time there's a lot of bullshit jobs in companies especially big ones so uh, you know it i'm against
2: i'm against every corporation unless they want to sponsor us then i'm a big corporate whore so
1: yeah that tracks we are literally selling dyson vacuums
0: yeah, if Elon Tell me Musk's, how much it sucks. If Elon <laughs> Musk wants pictures of Tom's arches, he can get them. They yeah. will cost him though.
1: <laughs> Big That's time. Stuff. Big time NIL <laughs> money, baby. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah.
0: Uh so you guys wanna do some assholes and picks of the week? Let's sure. fucking do it, bro. Let's get into this.
2: I'll start. Um, I'm going to go with the McDonald's CEO.
0: Um,
2: I can't pronounce his last name. Chris Kaczynski. Um, He said the other day that apparently crime in Chicago is a big problem for recruiting to McDonald's. And I, I just think this is just, again, just another ridiculous statement coming from somebody who probably makes a couple million dollars a year. Maybe,
1: is crime the reason why people don't want to work at fucking McDonald's?
2: Right. So he's, he's basically saying it's making it very hard to, for people to get into the office because of the crime. And it's like maybe we should start focusing on – number like again, this is just another person who makes millions of dollars a year focusing on the actual action of crime rather than on what is causing the crime and not also focusing on the people who are most likely to be affected by said crime, not somebody like this man.
0: I mean, to be honest, like, the McDonald's CEO is a man of the people. He only makes $20 million a year.
1: So. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. I, he's yeah, a true I mean, man of s- the
1: people, Q. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he's, he, he goes, everywhere I go, I'm confronted by the same question. What's going on in Chicago? There is a general sense out there in the city is in crisis. And, yes, crime is up in the city. But, again, instead of looking at what actually causes crime in the first place, which is, you know, inequality at a, at a, at a social level for these people that, that are, you know, trying to put food on their table. Um, and obviously like schools, not providing enough, not providing enough resources for schools and things like that. No, we're just going to talk about how it affects your fucking recruiting efforts at McDonald's. So
1: can I say though, I feel like Chicago is just kind of used as the like scapegoat, the scapegoat or prime example of like, oh city something distortion. in this. Yeah, but sorry, reality, I don't mean like, to put words in your mouth, but those are no, words you're in my mind. No, you're fine because you're actually finding them better than I was. But I feel like everyone, everyone who's got an agenda to say something that's not good is like they refer it back to Chicago. When in reality, like we have a number of cities across the country that have equal issues, and I think from what it sounds like. Um, the guy who is the CEO of McDonald's probably wears a red hat with white letters on it periodically, <laughs> um, and says "Stop the steal." But I mean, you can look at a number of cities in the South where they are doing; they have the exact same problem, but the political party is different.
0: The uh, I I think one one of the reasons too is like if you said like New York City is you know it's it, it has crime it has violence too right it's it's a lot of people like if you talk to a lot of new yorkers especially ones that have been living in the city for a long time they they'll say it's it's not it doesn't feel as safe as it has in the last decade right and as
2: far as um, crime is concerned though like detroit michigan st louis and crimes miami down all...
0: yeah new but Orleans... no, no that, that wasn't that wasn't the point i was like actually going to no gonna get to or make it was that i think that chicago has accepted the title they've allowed themselves to be branded as this dangerous crime place that's dysfunctional and no one questions that or it's 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 like uh what's that social theory about like uh naming something or you know when you're you're given like a like someone calls you something that label theory right it's like yeah label theory in action because if you said some shit about new york like that new yorkers are way more prideful i think in a lot of ways and they'd be like yeah what the fuck did you just say and you get a lot of backlash for that reason so there's that effect that it's just an easy one because it's passively agreed by the label theory that it's a bad place
1: Well, you also have an entire political party that has railed against Chicago and the state of Illinois for a long time. Keep in mind, the state of Illinois was ran for a long time by Republicans, and that's why it's in the state that it's in. Um, But I feel like that's kind of the, the example that's always used by the Republican Party of like, social dysfunction is because it's a democratic issue i've been trying to follow along with the cashless bail law that was just passed in chicago and how they're basically saying it's going to be like a purge day and like you all need to fucking calm down like it's not going to be a fucking purge day you dummies and i mean it's the the willingness of the lengths that people are willing to go to like over exaggerate what's going to be done is just completely wild to me and that ceo's comments about how crime in chicago is hurting recruiting at mcdonald's completely removes them or dismisses them from having any kind of responsibility for what kind of workplace they have it's
0: yeah and you know it's funny because i as we're talking about this i'm like let me look around and see what what places show up um You know, for most violent cities and St. Louis, St. Louis was exactly the one that I looked at. And it is it is almost double. If you look at this crime index index that I'm looking at here, it's almost double the amount of violent crimes are are happening there. It's a it's less populous. So I don't I'm not sure I haven't uh, seen fully how they've how they've figured this one out or this metric. But it says it's an F. It's from the FBI data database. Um, and it gives an explanation of like burglary larceny crime or mo- uh, grand theft auto um, arson anywhere where there is for- a forcible threat against victims um, compose these numbers for violent crime and property crime. And it's significantly higher than Chicago.
2: What, what's so funny, too, is like people talk about New York City and like the crime rates like, oh, the murder rates going up in New York City. And, like, they'll show you a graph and where it's going up and, like, you'll see the line. The line's going up. But then if you look at it from, like, a 30,000-foot view and you look at, it like, the 90s,
1: if you yeah, go back was, to, like, the it 90s. It was nuts. It, yeah. It's a, it's
2: a line that goes all the way down and then a little tiny little, like, indent and then, like, that's today. So it's, it's like, it's one-fifth of what it was in, like, the 90s. Yeah. It's, so,
0: like, it's like watching, like, Meta's, like, stock ticker. Right. It just keeps dropping and dropping, and then maybe it'll go up a little bit, but then it drops again a little bit more. Like it's not even—it's
2: not even—it's—it's one fifth of like what it was in like the late '80s, early '90s.
0: Just like MetaStock,
2: and (laughs) people—you're taking it to Zuckerberg today. Um,
0: (laughs) MetaStock jokes are my new favorite thing.
2: Yeah, there you go. It's just funny because people love like. Like zooming in on a graph and see, like, see the line going up? And it's like, all right, zoom out a little bit. And then it's like, oh, it's not even close to where it was. So, yeah, you know, like there's context is important.
1: Data manipulation is like a constant thing that happens, yep. though, where people are just like, they'll take a, a data point and extrapolate it over an entire like topic, or they'll do what you said, well, they'll like zero in on like a spike or a small spike and be like, see how bad this is. And it's like, yeah, but you know, we're looking at things strategically. We're not looking at like day to day, of course, there's mm-hmm. going to be a spike day to day. But if you look over a month or over a year or over five years or over 10 years, like trend wise, that's ultimately what you look at to make a determination.
2: Trump Trump used to do it with, uh, well, he used to go black and brown unemployment. It's the lowest it's ever been. And it's under me. And you look and it's like, you look at like under Clinton, Obama, and like it's all going down, and he just like zoomed it on and he was like, Yes, I yeah, guess. computer enhance. Yes. <laughs> you, like, you instantly,
0: instantly, you get into fucking office, like, and now that changes, <clears throat> like, doesn't make any sense. It's crazy, but yeah, I Q, this was your, this was your asshole, right? This was your asshole with the, yeah, like,
2: the that was mine. Yep.
0: Um, you know, and like, I think more, like, why does... I, I ask, why does, like, the CEO of McDonald's care about the crime rate to begin with? And it's really because it's affecting, like, his his bottom line. And that's the only reason he's making any of these comments. And that's what's kind of really gnarly about him even having to go there in the first place is because it's... He feels like this is a disruption of, like, his stock price. And that's that's why he's even... Having yeah, this conversation.
2: It's it's really funny. Um, because again, he's not even like he's literally talking about recruiting efforts. So it's like like and like maybe don't force people into the office. Like maybe let them work remotely. So it's just funny.
1: Everybody knows that checkers is the best. So um, do
2: checkers fries or rallies for some people, depending on where you live. Fucking
1: bomb. <laughs> yeah, man. Derek Henry um, I- I will go next. Um, So my asshole of the week is it's going to be a big asshole this week, boys, Um, the entire state of Mississippi. And I say that because they, since we've been gone, there's been multiple things that have happened there. Um, The water crisis that's happened in Jackson, Mississippi, that turns out is very much like state government, like created problem. And then you get into the Brett Favre situation where the state essentially paid him $5 million to not do anything. So he could build his daughter, a new volleyball arena. Um,
2: he's got to so, go to jail, right?
1: He's, he's got to go to jail for that. Right. A hundred percent has yeah. to go to jail. Um, and what a pretty wild fall from grace too for Brett Favre. Um, pretty Bizarrely anti-meteoric Where he went straight into the earth But my asshole of the week Is going to be Tate Reeves um, The governor of Mississippi Because last week he made a comment At some function that he was at Where he said "Quote: I gotta tell you it's a great day to be in Hattiesburg It's also as always A great day to not be in Jackson <laughs> Jesus
2: Fucking Christ
1: And, um, again, this is the governor who does not have a good relationship with the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, um, because the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, is a self-identified socialist. But the state has, over the years, been very intentional about not giving people state-funded welfare. That money comes in the form of a block grant from the federal government and given to the states so they can do with it what they will. But Mississippi has notoriously withheld welfare money. And it's like out of all of the people who have requested welfare in the state of Mississippi last year, it's like 130 people were able to get it. And it turns out all of that money was then sent to Brett Favre. But, huh. um, the other issue too is because the state has been so unwilling to spend any money on any public works projects, that's where you get into the water crisis is not hit jackson and I, they've been without water for the last month now
0: it's it's really tragic uh what's going on with that but like you're a gov- like you're a state government
1: like what are you spending your money on what are you using your money on it's not schools it's not water it's not for the people i don't and honestly They're, i think probably yes. one of the most yeah probably one of the most egregious like Derelictions of duty is definitely the state legislature of the state of Mississippi, and they have just been unwilling to address anything. It's a fucking failed state at this point. Like, I don't. I, I, it, and, it it really... spe- and it
2: speaks to like the, the 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 divide right now that Republicans feel so comfortable because it's a predominantly black area led by a socialist that mm-hmm. like it's almost like yeah we're we're good for letting them suffer because of the water crisis like because we're defeating the enemy we're we're owning the libs by not allowing them to have fresh water like it's this the this is the world we live in now so yeah and it's gonna it's gonna become more prominent especially in low-income areas that are gonna suffer more it's like it's just
1: the thing you know, is though be. is that jackson mississippi is the capital of the state yeah like the capital of the state has no water in it and what are people
0: doing are they just drinking water bottles they they have the, to buy the their st- water from the store the it's,
2: state it's is like this st- brown water coming out it's like toxic brown water pretty
1: much like that's egregious and they, and they said it was going to cost about a billion dollars to fix the problem too We throw billions around every fucking day. Is is it that they're just going to wait until
0: it gets so bad that the federal government has to step in and do something? I'm,
2: I'm surprised that they haven't already. Like, this is, again, like, Biden should be on the offensive here and honestly should be calling for FEMA to step in and do something about this immediately. Because at the end of the day... Like, if they're not – if they're going to – if the fucking governor of Mississippi is sitting around kind of laughing this off, then, like, you're well within your right at that point to be like, if you're not going to do your fucking
1: job, I'll do it for you. So Yeah, dark I think branded we get into activated. We get into that unfortunate term um, that Mississippi's going to cling to, and I think this is why the federal government has not done more states' rights and – them. I th- I think the problem is though is that the, the the state government or the governor of Mississippi has to request FEMA funding they, in yeah. order for it to happen, and this is actually what happened during Katrina as well because the governor of Louisiana didn't request FEMA funding until after the fact.
0: And, Incredible, and that then plays well into the hand of like federal government overstepping its boundaries, yeah. states' rights. But state at the government side, it the flip side it. For 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 you know Dem, Dems on the the federal level here, they sitting by get to say look at how poorly mismanaged you know Republicans are doing in their states, and this is why you do need more federal oversight so they can have an argument for that too by not doing anything, which is equally egregious in a lot of ways when it comes to having a basic human right of clean water. Like if it was anything else, maybe you could wait a little bit, but this is an emergency that needs action right the fuck now. You know? Yeah. It's tragic, man. I feel for, you know, the people down in Mississippi that have no say over this and they're just trying to get by and they fucking don't have water to fucking even take a bath in right now because it's all contaminated. It's all disgusting. Like that's. Oh,
1: dude. And even when, and even when the water does come back on, are those people going to trust it? Yeah they have no reason to
0: yeah very very true yeah it's terrible
1: so kate reeves is my asshole of the week he's generally just a piece of shit um but today he's uh he's gone above and beyond the call i don't know what you got so
0: uh i'm gonna just switch it up a little bit here um you guys might even roll your eyes because I have a little negative to it, but, um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll briefly touch on it. Um, I'm going to go with a little bit of a, uh, a, a half hero of the week. And, um, half hero. A half hero of, of the week. So, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, uh, Von Schenard. He not. is the CEO of Patagonia. Um, Patagonia, for anyone that's doesn't know the brand, they're a um outdoor clothing brand similar to like a North Face or something. Um, a lot of times called Patagucci. <laughs> Very popular uh, on
2: the West Coast.
0: Um so, you know, they've pioneered a lot of these like um, you know, good governance, uh social um you know, social policies that run their company and, and they've constantly tried to which I think they push on the, the consumer a little bit too much in some ways, but I I'm sure because of the expense expensive costs of, you know being a, a zero climate change company like they try they try to keep the mo- the needle moving in the positive direction fighting against climate change. He's giving up his company, um he's he's done he's he's an older dude he's eighty three years old he uh, essentially is giving up his company to fight climate change um it's rare that you see such successful businessmen uh billionaires specifically doing something like this a lot of them talk about doing it we have yet to see one do it so um it's it's cool to see that somebody's actually like really passionate about climate change and they're sticking to their guns here and uh you know it, it, you made all that money like you can't take it with you um, I'm glad it's going to something good and not just like making your family even richer than they already are you know on the flip side yeah. of that though I will mention he is by structuring it the way he is he's not paying taxes on it so he's saving, it he's saving he's saving about 700 million dollars on the tax bill Man, however really he's still cool. handing it he's still there's still generating about $1.65 billion annually for fighting climate change. So how, how much $700 million means in the end, I don't know, because you're still doing a lot of good on the other side of that. So there's, there's, there's a good and bad. That's why I was a half-hero.
2: Okay, that's fair enough. Picks? Who wants to start that?
1: So... Um... I have two picks this week one is a um, a show and then one of them is a game that's coming up um, the show is um, the the Netflix special about Tim Donaghy. that was really interesting. I don't remember the the name of the show specifically but um, they've it was the same one that had the Manti Teo special um, that was. Fascinating. Learning what the
2: it's called, uh, Untold Operation Fra- uh, Flagrant Foul.
1: There we go. Um, thank you, Q. But yep. that that was the first time that I had heard Tim Don- Donaghy speak um, and speak in depth. I will say this though: um, there are no heroes in this story. Between the NBA, the FBI, Tim Donaghy, and the two other guys that he was associated with, all the way down to Tim Donaghy's wife, everybody in this is a villain. And everyone tries to paint themselves as the person that's trying to do good or trying to get people to understand why they did it. Tim Donaghy said that he was making $400,000 a year, and he did it just because it was fun. Um, and he only made like thirty dollars or $40,000 off of it. I, I don't believe that at all. The two guys that he was involved with um, said that they were like innocent in this whole thing. I don't believe them either. The NBA has also got some blood on their hands, too. And it's a little shady how that whole thing went down. But um, again, the untold story, um, Operation Flagrant Foul, really, really compelling, really interesting. The second one, and I don't know if you guys are prepared for this. So Syracuse is 3-0. They have two power five wins and I think they are the only team that is still undefeated that has two power five wins in the country. They play UVA to uh, Friday night at seven o'clock on ESPN. If they win that game and then they beat Wagner, they will go five and zero, and that is the best they have been in the last five or six years. Um, I know that you all are big St. John's fans because St. John's is the Uh college team of New York, but this is actually a division one team in state that you might want to pay attention to Garrett Schrader. He's a transfer from Mississippi state, former wide receiver now playing quarterback. Um, And he's been really impressive. They just beat um, Purdue this week. in at home in the dome 32 to 29 massive game, Crowd is rocking. Everyone's excited for it. Um, this is, again, this is the first time they've been good in a while. Um, who's, co- again, who's coaching Syracuse? Dino Babers still. So they've been up and down ever since 2018. But the problem has been that they have not had two things they haven't had an offensive coordinator, and they haven't had a quarterback. And now they have both, and they're crushing it. So if you got time on a Friday night, if you want to go to the bar, watch Syracuse. Beat up on UVA. Hopefully that's the <clears throat> case. That's what the line is saying anyway. Give it a watch.
2: Cool. Uh, my pick, uh, it's a new movie that just came out uh, by a director. Of, like First time, di- I, be- I believe I don't believe this is his first time directing, but he's like kind of a new guy in the scene. His name is Zach Krieger. Uh, if you've ever seen the comedy sketch show, The Whitest Kid You Know, uh, back in the day, he was part of that group, uh, whichever more. It's a movie called Barbarian that just came out. It is a horror movie. And he's giving me big Jordan Peele vibes that he might be one of those guys that like, you're going to just kind of keep an eye out for now. I will say it's only in theaters right now, but I'm sure it'll be on streaming eventually. The best way to go into this movie is to go completely fucking blind. What now? Now I will say most like horror clinically? movies now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> most mo- most horror movies nowadays give way too much shit in the trailer. that literally, you watch the trailer and you're like, Oh, I, i already know what's going to happen in this movie they did they did a great job um building this trailer in a way that like it really doesn't give anything away and i kept expecting it to go a certain way and it literally just flips it on his head every 15 20 minutes um it is a the cast is fucking awesome justin long uh, if you've ever seen back to doing horror movies jeepers creepers he was in drag me um, to hell Drag me to hell. Um, he was also in Tusk. Uh, Bill Skarsgård, who was just Pennywise in it. This movie is fucking insane, and in the best way possible. And it like you're gonna watch a trailer and then you watch the movie and it's like holy shit, I was not expecting it to go there, and it's it was the best way possible. One of the and it's definitely awesome in theaters because like you get like a reaction off of it from the people watching it. Uh, incredible, definitely recommend uh, check it out.
0: Nice.
2: nice
0: nice nice so i also got really pumped fuck fuck i'd
2: <laughs> fuck. <God>, fuck me
0: <laughs> you're using your gimp suit voice i'd fuck me so hard <laughs> <laughs> For my pick of the week, I have no pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: my pick of the week is
0: uh... my pick of the week is the Bills Mafia pregame you ever seen the show.
2: Godfather, like uh,
0: yeah, no, no, seriously. My pick of the week is the Bills Mafia and everything they do in pregame shenanigans. It is some of the most entertaining thing you'll ever fucking see. They are complete animals and i'm a 100% there for it They I, fucking i rule.
2: i have to go to a bills game soon like i need to be i need to be there yeah, yeah i want th- wa- to be thrown we through gave
1: a bills fans so much shit in college and even after that and now we are like devout because I-
2: they're, they're good and they haven't like gotten to the point of cringe like they're still like the team is good and they're still like a lovable like and Josh Allen getting so much hate from me, by the way, in like pre pre draft stuff, and the fact that he's great is awesome. I, yeah.
0: would, I would I would say that, that. I, I would say you you get it as much as you give it, and yeah. Bills fans were constantly giving as much as they were getting. Yeah. I well, know. the other
1: thing is too, is they thought every year they were gonna go to the Super Bowl with fucking Trent Edwards as their quarterback. <laughs> so we gotta come back they're, to Earth. Very developed, very hopeful group.
2: What is it with their Ivy League? Didn't Trent Edwards go to Stanford? He did. And then they got Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. So they were making their way. They were making their way through the uh, the Ivy League before they got to Josh Allen with Wyoming.
1: Yeah, so. and then oh, they just bro. went to open enrollment universities. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I love the Misfits,
0: man. Fucking Fitzgerald on the fucking prime, uh, the prime pregame show there it was fucking great. The- yeah, Misfits. <laughs> That's what I call. Them. Well, Larry
1: Fitzgerald was also on. I think the was he on the the Monday night one mm-hmm. for the Seahawks?
0: Love yeah. He looks he
1: looks very new at this. <laughs> you know, and what, also though? too how how bad the Amazon Prime like play by play and broadcast oh, was. God, pitiful. Yeah,
2: it's gonna be a problem.
1: Well, you know what? They've always
0: had rough starts when they first do streaming stuff.
2: We're getting so uh, much closer remember- to to exclusivity too. we're getting so much closer to the where these nfl games which are always over the air you know like basic cable channels and even espn which is low package and like we're gonna get to the point where you're gonna have to pay 150 dollars a year to, to watch nfl games and it's gonna be
0: a problem yeah they're gonna have to do something about the rights if they keep pushing this or spreading
1: it thin but yeah you know you're but, gonna have to buy an nfl package on fucking apple tv
2: and it's gonna be dog shit because like sunday ticket two weeks in a row People well, haven't been able to like watch games for the majority.
0: So my suspicion is that because NF like the NFL app is dreadfully terrible by it's many fucking standards. Awful. Um I have a sinking suspicion that eventually that will be something that Amazon is fully handling and then it will become really good. So Yeah, bad. but then very they have
2: really... then they can charge whatever they want for it and
0: it's they already charge whatever they want for it for the the ticket portion of it
2: well but I mean like the Sunday ticket's been direct TV's baby for the last like 20 some years but like it's like I just can wait I just can't I, I'm imagining a future in which like even to watch local games like us watching the Giants or the Jets we're gonna have to pay a package for it eventually they're gonna take it off of Fox and CBS or like make it part of like a streaming service or something
0: yeah so. I think I mean that's just because cable is dying for cable through an app yeah i agree hate on it because that's our industry man (laughs) it keeps us employed more places doing it i'd fuck me as jeff bezos has said (laughs) (laughs) into roger goodell's ear yeah exactly
2: all right tommy boy you want to take us out
1: yeah thanks y'all for uh tuning in to another episode of the second mouse podcast we, uh, for the most part, we do this every week. We might have a hiccup here and there, but um, you can follow us in all the major st- streaming platforms on Spotify, on iCloud, or I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, what have you. Um, you can also catch us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. Just look, look up Second Mouse Podcast and just uh, be on the lookout for all of our posts. And you know, we really couldn't do the show without any of you. So if you can just give us a like and a follow and a subscribe, that would be appreciated. Give us a five-star rating on any of those streaming platforms and comment in the the post that we make to give us some ideas on what we should be talking about, who your assholes of the week are, and ultimately who your picks of the week are. So signing off, folks, and we'll see you next week.